Thank you, Mark. Great job. Appreciate that. Appreciate all the words that have been spoken here this morning, the prayers and the Scriptures and the things on our behalf. I don't know about you, but I listen very closely to the prayers because they're praying for us. I want to know what they're saying. Don't need that. I uh, consider it an honor to be asked to speak to children of God, especially knowing all the talent and abilities that are in this congregation. It's a rather humbling kind of a thing. I guess anybody that ever speaks before a congregation always wonders about what they're going to say and what subjects they're going to talk about, how they're going to begin. Try not to be like the preacher that kind of speaking to himself got up before the congregation and he uh, said, where to begin? Where do I begin? And David, somebody spoke up, as near the end as possible. <laughs> well, Emmett, I'm going to start close to the end. I knocked off at least an hour of this sermon to begin with. Hope you appreciate it. You know, every time we turn on anything concerning news, we hear about all the explosions and the damage and the killings and all the things that are going on throughout the world. It's hard to get away from it, isn't it? Because you see all these kinds of things that are happening constantly. I was looking in our library trying to think about what I might say, and there on the shelf in front of the books is a hand grenade. I'm sure most of you have hand grenades on your shelves in the library, but we happen to have. And uh, I got to thinking about that. Uh, you know, a hand grenade is a very small kind of thing, and yet... The devastation that it can do is just unbelievable. I've had experience with hand grenades. I've tossed them. I know what they can do. Many of you have too as well. In fact, I saw a recruit one time pull the pin and in his nervousness he dropped a hand grenade in the foxhole with him. Thank the Lord the sergeant was there and he picked it up and threw it before it killed both of them and all of those of us that were around there as well. But the damage that a little old thing like a hand grenade can do is just simply unbelievable. And I got to thinking about that in relationship to uh, the things that are going on in the world, particularly in the damage that something like that can do, something that's so small. And I thought about how appropriate that it was sitting on the shelf in front of books that are full of words and things that have been said speech and tongues and things of that nature because the damage that a tongue can do is far greater than anything a little hand grenade can do. And it's small like a hand grenade and yet ah, it's just unbelievable what can happen to it. And I talk about these things that the tongue can do. I call them tongue grenades. You know, we toss these things about just very easily. We cause tremendous amounts of damage throughout the world because of these tongue grenades, if you would. seems that we have an endless supply of them, don't we? We have a tongue grenade for every occasion. We have tongue grenades that put people down. We have ones that uh, facetious remark, tongue grenades, if you would. We uh, cause embarrassing kinds of things. We cause confusion with people. 
Uh, we just have them ready to toss about at all the times. We pull the pins and throw these things, but I've never seen anybody toss a regular hand grenade after pulling the pin and run and catch it. Same thing with our tongue grenades. We just simply can't catch them, can we, once we've left these. And I chose to talk about the tongue or use of the tongue and words and this kind of thing this morning, not because I think some of you need it, uh, because I need it. I'm not too good at controlling my tongue, even though I've had a lot of experience. My wife can testify to that, I'm sure, as can my family. So, if any of you happen to need what I have to say this morning, great. (laughs) Bear with me while I talk to myself if you don't need it. You know, uh, Christ, it's interesting to me to know at least the words we have recorded in the Scripture. He wasted very few words, didn't He? Every word that's said seems to count. And I pray that whatever I have to say this morning might not be just so many unnecessary words, but that the few words that I do have to say might count for good in, in each of your hearts. Speaking of the news that I mentioned a minute ago, not only do we have all the explosions and things, we're also confronted with fires, aren't we? You read about the things that are happening in Australia and the millions of acres and animals and people that are being killed and also in California and other places. The destruction is just fantastic, the things that are happening. And yet, invariably, so many of these fires are started by something so small, a very small spark that probably could be extinguished of the fingers without much harm. A very insignificant object. And yet the damage that is done is just unbelievable. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell." That's from the King James, and that's what I'll be using this morning. I grew up with it to feel comfortable with it. Besides, it's the only Bible I've got that's got the big letters in it that I can read very easily. But how very appropriate James' comparison, I believe, of our tongue to a small fire, because the damage of the tongue can do far surpasses anything that's destroyed by fire. Not only destroys the soul of its owner, but countless others at how it's been used. One of the greatest gifts that we have from God is too often used for the devil who's given us nothing. Isaiah says, For the vile person will speak villainy, and his heart will work iniquity to practice hypocrisy and to utter error against the Lord, and to make empty the soul of the hungry, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. How very concise and yet complete are these words, these phrases that are used here to utter error against the Lord to make empty the soul of the hungry, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. I sense aptly describe the person who uses his tongue not only to lead others astray, but to cause many to not have their thirst for righteousness of ever being quenched. And appreciate what was said in the prayer this morning concerning this very kind of thing. The use of our tongue and the ability that we have to influence others. You know, a very sad situation to me is one in which people who put their trust in someone who 
is claiming to preach from the Word and yet preaching in contradiction to what we have in the Word of God. And we see this happening in our world today where congregations of Christian people are splitting not because of what color to paint the nursery, but whether to call what's plainly labeled as sin in the Bible, whether that's something that's acceptable today. Very few subjects are mentioned or discussed more in the Bible than the tongue or speech or gift of speech. And easily so, I believe, because I don't know that there's any other gift that God has given to man that can do more good or more harm for God. After all, two of the Ten Commandments dealt directly with this, didn't they? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, and thou shalt not bear false witness against the neighbor. And in Proverbs, we find at least three of the seven things that God hates directly related to this. A lying tongue, one that bears false witness, speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. I don't know why anyone would take a chance on doing these things the Lord deliberately hates. There's a little poem entitled, The Tongue. I'd like to share with you. I know some of you are familiar with this. But it helps explain some of these things. The boneless tongue, so small and weak, can crush and kill, declares the Greek. The tongue destroys a greater horde. The Turk asserts than does the sword. And the tongue can speak a word whose speed, the Chinese say, outstrips the steed. While Arab sages this in part, the tongue's great storehouse is the heart. And from Hebrew wit, this maxim sprung, Though feet should slip, ne'er let the tongue. And the sacred writer crowns the whole, who keeps his tongue, doth keep his soul. You know, the Hebrews felt that there was kind of a, a thing about words that once they went out, they just flew completely and never could be taken back. Kind of like the Lord when He said, So shall the word that goes forth from my mouth shall not return to me empty. We find again from Second Timothy words concerning this very kind of thing. It says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. I'm sure that Dr. Mark can tell you itching ears is a fatal disease. Speaks to the kind of teaching that will please their own ears. Sounds good, whether it has any substance to it or not. There always seems to be plenty of people that cater to these people that have itching ears as well. The devil has a lot of disciples that are catering to this very kind of thing, I believe. How's your tongue used? Proverbs has some wise sayings, I think. It says, The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. 
The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the forward tongue shall be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speak forwardness. In other words, a person who habitually is disposed to disorder, disobedience, perverseness, and the way that they use their tongue. I guess it's possible for somebody to be evil and control their tongue to the extent that you seldom hear them say anything bad. <clears throat> but James records in 126, says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. I believe that much trouble in the church is caused by this itching ears, isn't it? Caused by people with idle tongues and gossipers, talebearers. A wicked ear giveth heed to false lips, and a liar give ear to a naughty tongue. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. One of our grandsons, when he was in kindergarten, there were some students there that were using filthy language. He asked the teacher to make them stop. And the teacher remarked to him, well, it doesn't hurt you in any way. And he said, yes, it does. It hurts my ears. It does hurt your ears, doesn't it, when you hear the filthy language? It hurts the soul, and I'm sure it hurts the heart of God as well. Don't you know the devil has just delighted in making things that we hear about people such a hot thing like a hot potato or something. We have to get rid of it immediately. We have to toss it out and give it to somebody else. There's another poem I would like to share with you. It's one of my favorites. It's called The Monk and the Peasant. I know many of you are very familiar with it. A peasant once unthinkingly spread tales about a friend, but later found the rumors false and hoped to make amend. He sought the counsel of a monk, a man esteemed and wise, who heard the peasant's story through and felt he must advise. The kind monk said, If you would have a mind again at peace, I have a plan whereby you may from trouble find release. Go fill a bag with chicken down, and to each dooryard go, and lay one fluffy feather where the streams of gossip flow. The peasant did as he was told, and to the monk returned, elated that his penance was a thing so quickly earned. Not yet, the old monk sternly said. Take up your bag once more and gather up the feathers that you placed at every door. The peasant, eager to atone, went hastening to obey. No feathers met his sight. The wind had blown them all away. This is what happens, isn't it? This is what happens to words. Can't take them back. How many times have we all said unkind things about someone only to find that they have spread, that they have caused problems and pain. Too late. Too late to prevent grief and pain. It was only a thoughtless word, scarce meant to be unkind, but it pierced as a dart to the heart that heard and left its sting behind. It may seem a trifle at most, the thing that we do or say, and yet it may be that at fearful cost we may wish it undone someday. You know, when we go to funerals, often we hear someone say, never heard this person ever say anything bad about someone. 
That's great, isn't it? it? I guess it makes us all realize the faults that we have along that line. Sometimes I think even we may resent people that don't speak evil of others because we so often do. James, of course, had a great deal to say about the tongue. And from the third chapter there, he says, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. You can't get much plainer than that. You know, our tongues seem to have a mind of their own, don't they? Just rattle on. And I, I hear some people think their mind couldn't possibly be that fast. That their tongue can rattle so many things off so quickly. I wonder if they've even thought about what they're having to say. But you know, if we're going to live a Christian life and we're going to attempt to lead others to Christ, as was said in the prayer this morning as well, then certainly we should strive to control our tongues. And as I said, I have difficulty with this myself. Just as a man cannot serve two masters, certainly that tongue can either, even though we might try to do so. Let's look at a few Scriptures suggesting how we might use our tongue. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, Excuse me, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. If any man offend not in the word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. So, son, there's hope. If I could just control my tongue, I'll be perfect. You know, just as children have to learn how to use their tongues to say the words that they want, I know that uh, we have to learn the same thing, don't we? The words that come to our minds sometimes are not always the things that we should say. And too many of us that have been members of the Lord's body for many years have still not developed the full potential of our tongues or use of words to make the most use of it. Certainly we should use our tongues to talk for the edification of our God. And just like I talked about the spark and the good that it can do and fire when controlled that it can do for mankind, how much that a tongue can also do for mankind as well. The people that can be taught the truth, the comfort that can be brought to others, the encouragement, the exhortation, the joy and praise through the songs and hymns and spiritual hymns, psalms as our voices are lifted upward to heaven as well. Want to know how much good that your tongue can do sometime? Just start out during the day and greet everybody cheerfully. Pass on all those compliments that you feel but you don't ever say. As you meet others, help others to really feel good about themselves. See if it doesn't help your day just a little bit. You might even tell the song leaders done a good job. The Bible class teachers, the people that lead the prayers. These things don't just happen by accident. There's thoughts that go behind all of this. Make others feel good about themselves. In fact, when you're around people that make you feel good, doesn't it make you feel just a little bit taller, stand a little straighter, 
make your day go just a little bit better. Often I'm reminded of a prayer offered by a young boy one Sunday morning in a congregation where I was leading the singing. First time that this young boy had ever led a prayer before the congregation, he was quite nervous. And as he started the prayer, he was trying to remember, I'm sure, all the phrases that he had heard all of his life. And he said, let the preacher have a ready recollection of the words that he's prepared to say. And Lord, be with the song leader. He'd never heard anything said about the song leader, I guess, because he couldn't think of the phrase that fit. And he said, and Lord, be with the song leader. Still nothing came to mind. And finally he said, Lord, just help him to do a better job. Well, I needed it. Still need it. He stole my prayer. But that little concise phrase really fits us about the use of our tongue, doesn't it? Lord, help us to do a better job. A better job in controlling our tongue. A better job in telling others about the hope that lies in, within. A better job in helping us carry out the will of the Lord. I pray that my tongue and yours may always be used only for the uplifting of man and for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians, we read, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. They're not going to hear if we don't open our mouths by teaching and preaching and using it for the edification of our Lord. How well do we use it? How important is our tongue in relation to salvation? Christ said, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. If that doesn't scare you, I don't know what it takes. It does me. Would you say, would your conversation be different if you knew that everything you said was recorded? It is. I'm reminded of giving a message for a very dear friend of ours that passed away. And years later, in talking to the widow of this friend, she said, uh, not a week passes that I don't listen to the recording of what you had to say at my husband's funeral. I was not aware it was being recorded. And I had tried to think back, what in the world did I say? Well, you're being recorded. I'm being recorded. That scares me. If you are a Christian and have not used your tongue for God the way it should be, would you not use it now in repentant heart, asking forgiveness, pledging its use only for Him? If you've never confessed Christ before men, we urge you to do so. Be buried with Him in baptism while the opportunity exists here on earth. Everyone will confess His name in the day of judgment, but by then it will be too late. And let's leave those tongue grenades on the shelf. Avoiding the temptation of pulling that pin and throwing the tongue grenades as well.
I pray that my tongue has been used in such a way this morning that your hearts may have been touched, that you might have reevaluated how you've used your tongue in the past and determined how you will use it in the future. Please consider these things that I've said so that it might be said when your life is ended. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Let's use our tongues now to encourage those that need to respond as we stand together and as we sing. I was